He comes with good news and glad tidings from the presence of God. And you see, that's the gospel, brothers and sisters. Every time you hear the gospel, it's a message from the presence of God. Every time God's word is opened, it's a message from the presence of God. Every time you read it at home, God wants to speak to you. It's a message not just from an antiquated book. That's not what it is. It's a message from the throne room of heaven, from the very heart of God. Listen, the term here, he says, I am sent, says Gabriel in verse 19. I am sent. It's later used, the exact same term is later used for those who God would send forth after the day of Pentecost, starting at Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the uttermost part of the world. He says in Mark 16 and verse 15, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel, listen, to every creature, everybody, every place, everywhere, every corner of the globe, every time you set your foot somewhere, he says, preach the gospel. Tell them of the salvation of the Lord. And so he sends them out. And here we find that Zacharias, when the messenger, whose name means the man of God, Gabriel, comes to him, and Zechariah, he rejects the message of God. At first he rejects it. Notice what he says. He refused to believe. He says, I am an old man and my wife is well stricken in years. Automatically, that's where the doubt comes in. Well, you know what? I, I, I know God can heal. I sort of know all that about God. I'm a priest in the temple. I know God can do this. I'm a Christian. I know all of this. But listen, we, we know it, but do we really believe it? Ah, different story, isn't it? I know God's going to move. I know God's going to do something. I know God's going to bring me through. I know it's in God's timing. Oh, I know all about that. But do you really believe it? You see, Zacharias was a priest in the temple, but as far as things looked and as far as he felt in his heart, let's be honest, as far as his body was telling him and his wife, he looks at his wife and he goes, you know, Elizabeth is well stricken. That's nicely put it. She's an old doll. That's basically, that's what it means. So he's really saying, and let me put it in Northern Ireland terms, look, I'm well past, I'm an old lad, and she's an old doll. So is she. That's what he's saying. Automatically rooting out the word of God. Instantly taken away from what God says and promises he's going to do in spite of who he and she are. And you and I can may say, I know you can, but it just doesn't look like that. And the Lord says, no, no, no. It's not what you think. It's not what you feel. He says, who I am and what I say. And when the Lord gives you the word, that word will come to pass. He says, for my word will not return unto me void. Notice he rejects it. Here's something I wrote down. I actually just jotted these two wee headings down this morning in the study. To reject God's message was serious and would have its consequences. Here we, I wrote, serious for the sinner, first of all. To reject God's word, the man and the woman who don't know Christ, it's so serious it costs them their souls eternal damnation. That's how serious rejecting the gospel, rejecting Christ and his word is. It costs 
to the point of the soul's damnation. Zacharias would have his sign already. He was looking for a sign. Many people looking for a sign. And although it's not the kind of sign that he wanted that he got. Ask God for a sign, that's okay. But it might not be the answer you thought. I'll tell you what, Zacharias, you want a sign? You're not going to be able to speak, I tell you so. And he shut his mouth. Lord, I wasn't thinking of a sign like that. I've told you before, I used to pray, I'll go anywhere for you, Lord. I was so hungry, I'll do anything for you, Lord. And he used to go out early in the morning over the wee golf course in the park near us. Lord, I'll go here, I'll do whatever you want, Lord. I love you so much, I just love you, Lord, and you've done so much for me. I'll go anywhere and I'll do anything. And then after a long time of seeking his face and promise him I'll go anywhere and do anything, the Lord says to me, okay, I want you to sell or give away all that you have and go to Romania. Lord, I'll go anywhere, but don't be sent me there. No, that's what you're going to do. And I'll be honest, that's the last thing I wanted. The last thing I wanted to do, and it's the last place I wanted to go. And sometimes God tells us things that are hard to swallow, hard to take, and they're bitter in our belly. Sweet sometimes in the mouth, but bitter in the belly. And when he tells us it, but when we yield to it, the blessing comes from that. The blessing comes from the obedience. Not your promise and not not fulfilling that promise. So Zechariah is in the temple. He's getting a sign of being dumbstruck. And yet God would still perform his word without Zechariah having to do or say a thing. That's amazing. Lord, what do I have to do to make your word come to pass? Just believe him. I'm afraid of missing it, Lord. Listen, see if it's off God, you won't miss it. It's as simple as that. You won't miss it. Oh, you might go around a mountain once or twice, but you won't miss it. Here's what I also jotted down, point two on it. I wrote, there's serious setbacks for the saint. Rejecting God's promise and word will bring serious setbacks for the saint, for God will perform that which he promised, because we're told only believe. Remember that we course only believe all things are possible? The message that comes, they're looking for a sign. And the sign might not be what you're expecting. For example, and I'll just say it, you can write it down and read it later in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 22 and 23. It says, Paul writes, For the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block the Greeks' foolishness. You see, the Jews were looking for a champion because the Roman Empire was overlording them. They were looking for a, a knight on a white horse, as it were. They were looking for the second coming before the first. They were looking for this champion to come and thwart the Roman Empire. And the Greeks, well, they're full of philosophy and they're looking for all uh, the, the beauty and the oratory of some great poet and some sort of man of great standing in in the community where he would tell them wonderful, swelling things and they would feel so good about themselves. But here comes a man. Here comes a man on two, both Jew and Greek. They see, at this point, they see a man who comes along and he's going to die. 
And listen, and he tells them things that are hard to hear. And even though he spake like none other man spake, he spoke words that none other man could speak. He knew things that other men didn't know. Yet he was going to die on a cross. It just didn't make sense to them. They couldn't work it out in their head. But Paul says, but we preach Christ crucified. See, that's the difference. You see, you're looking for a sign. Unsaved look for a sign. What do they look for a sign for? Flashes of lights or what is it? You know, faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. And that word is the word of God straight from heaven. That's what you're hearing this morning. It's, it's a word of God that says, I, I don't mean to be sound cruel, but you're not going to be going to church and, you know, and having little, you know, little tea parties. You're not going to get saved. That's not salvation. Coming to, come to church and having you know, little nice stories. That, no one's going to get saved by that. They got saved by the preaching of the word. You may get people into the church, but will you get Christ into the people? See, that's the difference. There were two women here in our chapter. It's one is Elizabeth, Zachariah's wife. The other is Mary, a virgin, betrothed to Joseph. And both women were related, as it says, they were cousins. Yet both very different circumstances and in places of life, one old and one young. Here's the thing, it doesn't matter whether you're older or whether you're younger. God can still do a miracle in your life. It doesn't matter your age or your circumstance or it doesn't matter what part of the country you live in. For they lived in different areas. God knows where you are, and God can still do the miracle. Notice this. Elizabeth was old in age and was called barren. Mary was young, a virgin. She says, I know not a man. Elizabeth was, had obviously been trying and, uh, and has now old and given up. And Mary, well, she's a young woman who had never, she was a virgin girl. Elizabeth had desired to be a mother, but had lost all hope by now. And Mary, I don't think she maybe had ever... She had hoped it in some time, but, you know, was not her mind at the moment. So sometimes God finds people where they are. Look, as our faces differ, so do our needs. Your needs different than mine, and mine's different than yours, and yours is different than that side and others, and we're all different one from another. Yet God knows every single one of us, the age we are, where we're at, male or female. He knows where we live. He knows our home. He even knows your telephone number. He knows the hairs in your head, so he's bound to know your phone number. He'll get someone to phone you and say, listen, are you okay? He knows what you need. He knows the problem. He knows the miracle. And he says, only believe. Hear the word of the Lord, only believe. Notice, hope had gone for Elizabeth. 1 Corinthians 13 and 7 says about love. She, her heart's desire, love would have been for a child. And 1 Corinthians 13 and 7 says, Love hopeth all things. Love hopeth all things. Do you know what that term really gives the idea of? It means love hopeth all things, means refuses to take failure as final. Love refuses to take failure as final. Why do you think you don't give up on your children when they play up? Because you love them. 
I mean, I remember some of the things that I'd put my parents through because of my lifestyle at one point. And I have to admit, why would you even put up with me? Why, did you, why would you put up with me, Mommy? <laughs> because I love you so. Mom, you know why you put up, up, up with them? Because you love them. So does Daddy, but Mom, that's why you love them. I remember years ago, and I don't want to go too much into this for, I don't want to keep you too long this morning, but I remember years ago my dad and my older sister was, she wasn't looking after herself, and she eventually died from not looking after herself, but I was close to me. I was close to all my family, but I was really close to my, my older sister, and I lived with her for a period of time, and I had nothing. She brought me in, and mommied me, and she loved me. And I remember, but even at one time, because of the way she was, and my dad was always running after her, I said, Dad, look, she's a, she's a grown woman. You're going to have to not worry so much, and you're not going because he was pulling his hair out over her. And he, I said, you're going to have to let her get on with it a bit and see how she gets on. He was always in touch, always running after her. You're going to have to do that. And he turned and he says, son, I can't. I says, why? He says, because she's my wee daughter. I says, she's a grown woman. I didn't understand. I had no kids. She's a grown woman. She's still my wee daughter. Now I understand that because I have two wee daughters. No matter what age they are, they're still your daughter. You see, love refuses to take failure as final. That's why marriages will stay together when love refuses to take failure as final. Notice Elizabeth had given up that for which she had loved had died in her. But God reignited the love in her heart and gave her the child that she wanted. For with God nothing shall be impossible. Notice this. Mary takes the message and at one point she's in unbelief for she's a young virgin guard. She knows not a man and in verse 35 says, how's it going to happen? How is this going to happen? I've never been with a man. Listen to what the words were. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Let's pause for a second. Lord, how is this going to happen? How am I going to get through this? How is this impossibility going to turn? How is my healing going to come? How am I going to go on with you? Listen, let's read it and you apply this to you. The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Mary says, this is impossible. He says, yeah, to you. Because you've never been with a man. But God can do it. All things are possible with him. God not only made her a mother, he made Elizabeth a mother, but he also filled them with the Holy Spirit. 
I'm going to say this as I wrap this up. I want you to get away home. God filled Elizabeth when Mary came. Pardon me. Filled John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb. And when Mary came, they started speaking. The Holy Ghost started working with them. The two of them were in unity together. See, I'm a father and I'm also a man. But I'll be honest, and I have to be honest, sometimes I just, I don't like to be this honest, but I'm going to be. You mothers have a special bond with your children. That's just the truth. You just feel the flutter before we even think about it. Remember when Alison was expecting Jodie and she felt the flutter? I couldn't feel anything. Now, I did feel when the child was bigger and started to move and the big arm or leg, I don't know what it was, came around and I, ooh. <laughs> My word. <laughs> but you mothers have a connection from the womb. These are special. And a mother in love with Jesus, filled with the Holy Ghost, with a child being born into that, what a privilege. Take the message. Wait on the miracle and see what's birthed out of it. Here, these two mothers, one older, one younger. But finishing with this, and you can write these scriptures down, we're not going to read them, it's going to take too long. You'll find Mary. I know in Northern Ireland, especially uh, with the Catholic Church, venerating Mary nearly up to the quartet of the Godhead and all this sort of stuff, and you know, making her uh, uh, the perpetual virginity that she had never had other children, all these sort of things that they put onto us. And, and, and I know Protestantism, especially in Northern Ireland and loyalism, they sing actually cross things about Mary. Now, that's wrong. That is wrong. Both of those are wrong. This is our Lord's mother. Now, she is a sinner, needed a saviour, and he was it. He was the saviour. My soul doth magnify the Lord, she says, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God, my saviour. Magnif- Mary's Magnificat, it's known as in the scripture. Because Mary here, Mary is found, she thinks that he's mad at one point. Jesus is speaking as a man, and he thinks he's mad, even though she pondered things in her heart, and these things have happened. And then in John 19, we find her at the foot of the cross. She's still there. You know, see that son of mine? I'm not saying Mary's saying this about Jesus, but you and I, you mother might be saying, that son of mine's putting my head away. I wish he would wise up, and maybe even my daughter, but, you know, but here's the thing. Mary's found at the cross. You know why? Because she loved him. She was his mother. She watched him die. Imagine that. So in essence, there was a a sword, as it were, pierced her soul, but not for salvation. It was hurtful to her. But the love of a mother carried her on, that she's at the foot of the cross, even though at one point she tried to get him out of the house and says, I think my son's going mad here. Get him out. Do you know where we find her after that? We find her in the upper room. 
know what she's doing? She's waiting on the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father coming. Can you imagine? You know what? I remember when I was a young virgin girl, and the angel came and brought me a message from heaven. He created a miracle and made me a mother. Now, if he's done it then and he says he's going to pour out more, well, I'm going to believe him for his word and I'm not going to miss it. Brother, sister, don't allow things to cause you to grow cold in your life and to forget what God has done. Don't allow things to drag you away from Jesus or even from God's house. I'll tell you why. Because it might be just the time you miss it. You say, but you can't miss it. Oh, no, no. You can't miss what God's going to do. You'll do it. But God's walking with you and he'll say, see if you're there, I'm going to pour out my spirit. C-E-T. See Tuesday night, I hate to tell you, is it? God came on Tuesday night. He's missed it. I mean, God turned up here on Tuesday night. I said to them at the start, I'm going to get this away home early. You know what happened? God says, it's not up to you. <laughs> and I'll tell you when you can go home. And in fact, when I did shut it down, I felt a wee bit bad because people were saying, why did you stop for the Lord was The Lord was moving. It was powerful. You just missed it on Tuesday night. I remember every time we even went on holiday, Austin and I, or we were to go to somewhere else, we really wouldn't have missed our meeting. I'll tell you why. We were afraid of missing something. There's Philip Kearns down there from Whitewell. And Philip will tell you how things used to be. You were afraid of missing. Afraid. You know why? Because God would turn up. But God's with me, oh yeah. But see, when you're together corporately and you're there with one heart and with one voice, one voice and one mind to worship him, God turns up. Don't miss it. So we'll see you at six o'clock.